0: Welcome to Story Story Night, where you hear true stories on a theme, recorded live on stage and without notes. I'm your host, Jessica Holmes. Today, we present the unwrapped gift of happiness, stories of the pursuit, our cheerful and overful December 2011 event. First up to make our season bright, featured storyteller Megan Egbert plans the perfect party And she'll cry if she wants to.
1: Thank you. Parenting is happiness. At least, that's what I thought when I was getting into it. I mean, all of the diaper commercials and parenting magazines, they make it look like absolute bliss. But suddenly I found myself a 20-something-year-old single mom of two young children, and I was very far from happy. Part of the problem was I tend to be what I like to call a supermom, the type that tries to do everything when they have no time to do nothing. So I was working three jobs just to make ends meet, but still volunteering for every organization that seemed to know I'm incapable of saying the letters N-O together. And part of the problem was, my kids aren't really like most kids. And I know that you hear a lot of parents say that, but usually it's followed by, my kids aren't really like most kids, they're really mature for their age. And that's not actually what I'm saying at all. (laughs) So my kids aren't really like most kids because they're kind of crazy. Maybe just a quick show of hands. Anybody in the audience who's ever known or met my children before... Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Wow. Uh, Just to fill the rest of you in, my kids are five and three. So I don't know if they're, like, sneaking out at night to meet these people. (laughs) But apparently they have more friends here than I do. But so these people will be my witnesses. Um, My children are these like little balls of fire and fury and everything about them wreaks havoc, like from their calyct hair to their mismatched shoes. They're crazy, but they're a lot of fun. And as an endearing parent note, I know that no boys are ever going to mess with these girls. I assure you. So the story takes place when my oldest, Evan, was three years old. And Evan was pretty much born on a stage. I don't know where she gets that from. (laughs) But she has to be the center of attention at all times. And on this particular day, she was slowly dying because it was her sister's first birthday. Yeah, and nobody was paying attention to Evan. So Lulu is the baby in the story, and it was her first birthday. And being the supermom that I was, I took the day off all three jobs, and I planned this ginormous party because every one-year-old needs a gigantic party that they're never going to remember, right? So I was doing everything myself. I was cooking. I was making homemade cupcakes because no one-year-old will will eat store-bought cupcakes. And I was wrapping and prepping and doing nothing that had to do with Evan, unfortunately. So by about 10 o'clock in the morning, she had already been to timeout probably five times And I was starting to think of ways that I could just, like, slide food to her under the door and leave her in there until the party actually happened, because that's how awful she was being. As a single mom, I don't fear many sounds. I think I've heard it... Uh, probably almost everything. Like the fighting, the slapping, the screaming. I've heard dressers falling down on top of my children. And none of it even phases me anymore. But there's one sound that I've grown to fear, and that is silence. (laughs) So on this day... I was literally beating eggs with one hand for these homemade cupcakes and spoon feeding Lulu with the other hand. Not the eggs. <laughs> I'm not that scattered of a parent, but something like edible for children. And I realized it had been silent in the timeout chamber of doom for about five minutes. And I literally almost sprinted up the stairs. And before I could even reach the top of the stairs, I heard a sound, and I've heard lots of sounds, as you remember, that will haunt me to this day, honestly, because I heard Evan choking in her room, and I wasn't even up the stairs yet. And I couldn't get to her room fast enough. And when I finally got there, I saw her three-year-old little body balled up on the floor, her hand clenched next to her face, visibly choking on some unidentifiable object, and I froze. And I ran to her and unballed her hand, hoping to, to get some insight into what she might be choking on. And I opened her fist, and there laid a long, shiny, silver metal screw And I instantly knew that that's what was lodged in her throat as well. So choking is a fear for all parents, right? But usually we worry about, like, grapes and things. Uh, This was so far out of my realm. I had no idea what I was even rooting for to happen in this situation. Like... Do I want her to swallow this? Do I want her, you know, I I couldn't even, like, think of what I wanted to happen. And I read a lot of parenting books before I had children. And I promise you, I remember nothing about children swallowing screws at any point in any of these books. Luckily for me, I didn't have to think about it for too long because she managed to swallow the screw about 10 seconds after I walked into the room. But I just said luckily. I I didn't even know if that's what should have happened because although she was no longer choking on a screw, she now had a screw working its way down her esophagus into her stomach. So three hours later, a trip to the emergency room, multiple hospital personnel, x-rays, and thousands of dollars spent We got confirmation that, in fact, the screw had worked its way to her stomach without causing any damage and was in a position that she should be able to pass it without needing surgery. Good news, right? So the events that took place at the hospital could be an entire story of its own. I will spare you the details, but I will say all parties involved cried at some point. I mean, me, the children, hospital personnel, it was ugly. It was really ugly. And being the super mom that I was, I still couldn't let go of that idea of the cupcakes I was supposed to be making And the fact that they weren't yet in cups, and they certainly weren't cake. So as soon as we got out of that hospital, I was determined, we are having this party. But I had to let go of the cupcakes. There was no time. So we left the hospital and went almost immediately to Fred Meyer. The one-year-old was going to have a birthday party, but she was going to have to be indignified enough to eat store-bought cupcakes. She'd recover, I decided. So I flew around Fred Meyer with fury that could only be matched by that of my children. I shopped, they screamed. One of them, it made sense, right? Like she had a screw in her stomach. (laughs) And she'd had to hold still for longer than she's ever had to in her entire life. The other one, I I had no idea. It was like this this solidarity wail that I didn't even know what was wrong with her. I figured she was just distressed from the entire day. I ran out to the parking lot after buying the cupcakes. I threw the screw swallower in the car, locked her in her car seat. I threw the cupcakes in the trunk. I went to pick Lulu up out of the car, and she gave this loud one-year-old bellow and started wailing, and she didn't budge. And I looked down, and I saw the second sight of the day that I'll never forget, because Lulu had somehow managed to get her fat little baby foot stuck not in the slots for fat little baby feet, but one of the tiny slits on the side of the shopping cart. deep breath, right? Okay, Uh, I already handled like a metal sharp object swallowing child on this day. Certainly I can get my kid out of a shopping cart. But I couldn't. Because not only was her foot through one of the tiny little slits on the side, but it was swollen because it had been there the entire trip around Fred Meyer. So I did what any rational person would do in this situation, and I sobbed. (laughs) In the parking lot of Fred Meyer, I sobbed. And I cursed all those parenting magazines and all those diaper commercials that made this look like happiness. And I cursed every method of birth control that had ever failed me. And I cursed mothers who have nannies who get the children stuck in shopping carts. (laughs) And finally, I had to stop cursing and go in and ask for help. The poor young gentleman, who was the unlucky one to see us first... Uh, I'll never forget the look on his face. He pretty much screamed in terror as we walked <laughs> close to him because I was a sobbing mess. Evan was, like, heaped over in the shopping cart holding her stomach, and Lulu had her foot stuck in the slit, screaming, and it was swollen and bright red. So he pretty much, like, ran. <laughs> but I think he was intrigued enough that he had to, like, how did she get that through there? <laughs> And so I cried some more. And then he went and he got two more gentlemen workers and then they all stood around. And this is maybe like a male thing, but instead of like actually <laughs> brainstorming how to get it out, they could not stop talking about how she could have gotten it in there like <laughs> the mechanics of it. Like I don't understand. Was it like tilted? <laughs> and finally one of them had the good sense to go and get a woman. <laughs> Yeah. Who honestly, though, still didn't know what to do. (laughs) But she did say the one statement that I'm pretty sure got one of these employees a nickname on that day because she looked at it and she said, there's no way that foot is moving without lubrication. So, I started thinking of our options. Um, Crisco is pretty messy. Uh, butter smells funny and it's her birthday. Um, baby oil, maybe that's actually its intended purpose. I'm not sure. But the young gentleman had a different idea, and he went running off, and then a few moments later, he came bounding back through the aisles, like, hand above his head, triumphant, like our saving grace, and he was holding a bottle of KY jelly. (laughs) So nothing should have surprised me on this day, at this point, but... I assure you, if the parenting books like, gloss over swallowing hardware, there is never a mention that someday your child will be lubed out of a shopping cart <laughs> in the middle of Fred Meyer. But in this employee's defense, like he nailed it. like We lubed her right out of that cart. <laughs> it was amazing. And those sweet Fred Meyer people actually gave me the bottle of KY Chili. (laughs) (laughs) Because apparently at this point, I looked like somebody that needed a free bottle of (laughs) KY Chili. We eventually made it to the birthday party. I honestly can't tell you a single thing that happened except for that I'm sure people ate and didn't even hate the store-bought cupcakes and nobody swallowed any metal objects because that's all I was really focused on at that point. But what I can tell you is sometime that night, it dawned on me that nothing I had done for this party or on this day had been in the pursuit of happiness not mine, and surely not Lulu's. She was one years old. She didn't care about any of this. What I had been doing was some sort of like, sick idea that the type of party I threw for my child reflected on the type of parent that I am. It had everything to do with people's perceptions of me, and nothing to do with happiness, and I can tell you what would have made all of us a lot happier on this day. I would have taken the day off from all three jobs, but I would have actually hung out with my children. We would have gone to the park and had the swings all to ourselves, which is a park commodity, as all parents know. We would have bought tons of store-made cupcakes, and they would have been some atrocious color and dyed our mouths blue, and we would have eaten them all. We would have laughed on this day instead of cried. And that's the, that's the actual happiness of children and of being a parent, is these simple joys that they bring to us and also the ways that they remind us when we're not actually seeking that true happiness. So not everybody's children will go to the extreme measures that mine did <laughs> to let us know when we're off track, but still... I'm thankful for it. I'm thankful that they did it. I wish that we could bottle that up and keep it forever. Can you imagine on your 21st birthday if all you wanted was a blue cupcake and a swing? Like, you would have gotten a lot less trouble, right? I know that I would have. <clears throat> so I am. I'm very, very thankful for this day. As awful as it was, I think that it brought a lot more happy memories. The type that are filled with endless cupcakes and
0: skyward swinging. Thank you. Thanks, Megan. Happiness comes in all packages, but I think most of the time real happiness is finding the gift of your true voice, even if there are tears along the way. So resolve to explore the richness and depth of your storied past. In 2012, Story Story Night is asking for your best story or stories. No theme necessary. No submission parameters, really. You can email it or record it or just tell it to us. Then maybe we'll build a future show around you. Learn more soon at StoryStoryNight.com. Next up, story slammer Anjali Waybright finds alone time joy in the immaterial spirit of material things.
2: My name is Anjali Waybright. It strikes me as I hear everybody coming and sharing their stories tonight that there isn't just one piece of happiness. We, we have stories throughout our lives that remind us there's Mud Mountain that you've created in the dirt lot behind your house and created mud pies and thrown them at neighbor kids for hours that brings you joy. There's those little moments when grandma has given you her most special baking spoon, This weekend, when I found myself alone for Christmas, I took out that spoon, and I made so many great dishes. I made chocolate chip cookies, and there's some little bit of magic that goes into each one because of that magic spoon that Grandma gave me. And I'm brought just nearly to tears with joy. In 2009, I lost my grandmother. Shortly after, I lost my father. We lost the house. Mom lost her job. And then she moved to St. Louis. My sister followed and headed on to Boston. This weekend, I was alone. And I'm sitting there at Christmas. And I made this great dinner with the magic spoon. And I'm feeling pretty sorry about myself. I'm sitting in a living room. and And I cried quite a bit. And I'm reminded that sometimes loss reminds you of what you're most happy about. And all those years that I rejected the holidays, rejected the traditions, I don't want to put tinsel on another tree or vacuum it for six months following. <laughs> but it's these little traditions that, that end up building our happiness over time. We, we sometimes will try not to get together with the family because it's stressful and we're going to fight. But this Christmas, all I wanted was somebody to argue with, somebody to <laughs> to tell me, you know, why are you not married yet, no kids, you know, mom's still waiting for her grandbabies, you know. And I, I pulled out an old record, a record that I have tried to put in the Salvation Army bin so many times but I, I just can't part with it. It's one of my mom's Christmas records. One of the ones where the pictures on it actually look like these Swedish corral boys, blue-eyed, blonde hair, prepubescent, voices breaking in the background kind of record. But it's all Christmas tales. It's, it's just those little songs that you know, you know, away in a manger, and they're singing at the top of their lungs, and I can't even hit notes that high. And the sounds started filling my living room. And I'm sitting there with my little bowl of soup I made with a magic spoon. And I'm, I'm hearing the sounds come in and I stopped crying. And I got up in the middle of the living room and I you know, took my imaginary dad in my arms and I started dancing. And the room filled with the people that aren't here anymore, but they're in my heart. And I remember that and you know, I, I dug through my boxes, and I thought, well, I've got house plants. I don't have a Christmas tree this year, and I pulled out a little ornament of a this little owl. It's a little silver owl. It's a god-awful, horrible-looking ornament, <laughs> but I decorated a houseplant with it, and suddenly I had a Christmas tree, so I've got the music. I've got my dinner with my magic spoon, and I have this incredible essence of a family that I couldn't have with me, but they were with me at heart. And there's a lot of people I think that spent Christmas alone this year and I hope that they were able to connect with somebody and they were able to have something fill them up too. So happiness comes in those funny little ways. It'll come when you hear the baby laughing on a Googled YouTube video. You're gonna get that little warmth of happiness just from a hug when somebody holds on a little longer than you were expecting and and they just don't let go. You realized how loved you are. It's when you get a little bit of praise and you're not expecting it, and suddenly you're excited. You feel good about yourself again. And, you know, I just encourage you to any time you can, give that happiness to somebody else, do, because it sure means a lot when you receive it. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening. Story Story Night is brought to you by our fearless leaders, Jessica Holmes, that's me, Anna Dimitriatus, and James Stead, as well as studio instructors Elizabeth Makeda and Kate Riley. Theme song, music, and podcast production are by the cheerworthy Dan Costello. Hear more at hearcostello.com. Our partners include Boise State Public Radio, the Boise State Story Initiative, Neighborhood All-Stars, The Rose Room, Bricolage, and Red Feather. A big thanks goes out to our Story Story think tank and volunteers. Join us on the podcast next week for another dose of happiness. Learn more at storystorynight.com.